Welcome to the Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia. Join us as we take a look inside and outside our classrooms and connect with students, teachers, alumni, and more. It is my honor and privilege to introduce this year's speaker, Mr. Sam Moss. After graduating from Darlington, Mr. Moss started his college career earning a Bachelor of Arts from Sewanee University of the South. Following, he earned his master's degree from Jacksonville State and studied at prestigious Oxford College in England. Mr. Moss is a jack of all trades, having worked as summer session principal, associate headmaster, dean of studies, president of Cum Laude Society, an English teacher, and most recently as dean of college guidance. Mr. Moss is known countrywide as a college guidance expert. He has served as president of the Southern Association for College Admission Counseling, as a member of the board of directors of the National Association of College Admission Counseling, and as chairman of the board of trustees of the Association for College Counseling Independent Schools. Mr. Moss has worked at Darlington for 40 devoted years and will be retiring this year as a Darlington legend. Those who know him adore him and admire his quick wit and kind presence. He has a heart of gold and knowledge unlike any other. His dedication to preserving the history and traditions of Darlington School are unrivaled from any other institution. Darlington students will also say he is the best dressed of anyone on campus. His style comparable to those of the royal family. From colors ranging pink to green, Mr. Moss can always be found in a perfectly positioned bow tie. Rumor has it he eats, sleeps in a well-pressed suit. He is absolutely one of a kind. Darlington is so lucky to have had him and he will certainly be missed. I cannot think of a more perfect and endearing speaker for this year's baccalaureate. Please join me in welcoming my advisor, my mentor, my very good friend, the one and only Mr. Sam Moss. Thank you so much, Mary Mack, for those probably not deserved good remarks. Good evening, everyone, and especially you seniors. I'm so honored to be speaking to you tonight. When Mr. Bell told me that the seniors had requested that I be your baccalaureate speaker, I was thrilled, I was flattered, I was honored. It is truly one of the great honors of my life. At the time, though, I was also a bit intimidated at the thought that I would have to come up with something worthwhile to say to you tonight. But I was comforted by the remembrance that most people have no memory whatsoever of what any baccalaureate or commencement speaker ever says, and so whatever I say tonight will be well forgotten by tomorrow. The only exception to that rule is when we have excellent speakers like Mike Hudson and Chad Woods, who have given such great addresses in the past that I'm not even going to attempt to, to top those. With that in mind, though, I'll begin by telling you a little bit about what a baccalaureate address really is, although I will depart just a bit from that standard baccalaureate speech tonight. We've all attended baccalaureate services before. We're familiar with the word, but do most of us even know what it means or where it originated? 
Those of you who know me well know that I am a great Anglophile. I love all things English, so it shouldn't surprise you to know that I was thrilled to discover that the baccalaureate service originated in England. A baccalaureate service is a celebration that honors a graduating class from a high school or a college. The event is typically a Christian-based or interdenominational or ecumenical service. Thus, appropriately, we find ourselves tonight in this chapel. Baccalaureate usually precedes graduation or commencement, perhaps the day before. Baccalaureate speakers tend to be community leaders, faculty members, students, or local religious leaders. Modern-day baccalaureate addresses generally last a half an hour or less. You will be happy to know that I will plan to stick with us tonight. In ancient times, though, a baccalaureate service could last as long as four hours. You will be relieved to know that I will not attempt that. <laughs> though you know I can be fairly long-winded, so no promises. The service is believed to have originated at Oxford University in 1432. When each bachelor was about to receive his degree, he, only males, attended university, was required to deliver a sermon in Latin as part of his academic requirements for graduation. You will always be relieved to know that I will not attempt to speak to you in Latin tonight. My Darlington Latin for Mr. Cobb and Ms. Jackson is a little rusty. That is probably enough of a history lesson for now. So, what would I speak to you about tonight? I will not talk to you seniors about college admissions. You have all heard quite enough from me on that subject over the past four years. I will not try to give you 12 lessons for living a successful life or six pieces of advice about how to succeed in college or even something truly inspirational. I decided not to try to work in the name of every member of the senior class into my speech. All of those things have been done before and done very well indeed. So instead of one of those possibilities, I will simply tell you a few things about a subject that I know a good deal about, Darlington, and perhaps give you a little Darlington history that you may not have heard before. When I entered Darlington as a freshman in 1959, it was a very different place than it is today. We were all male, all white, all American, and all Southern. If anybody had used the word diversity in those days, I guess they would have been referring to my friend and classmate Randy Stokely because he was from Indiana, and that was about as exotic and different as it got around here. <laughs> Of course, he was white and male and American, and the only thing that set him apart was that he was from the Midwest, not the South. There were no girls. There were no students of color. There were no international students. All the teachers were male, except for the wonderful Mrs. Lillian Jackson, who taught Latin. In a bit of good-natured, friendly rivalry, day students and dorm students referred to each other as day dogs and dorm dirt. Day students were not allowed in the dorms at any time under any circumstances. Boarding students 
were not allowed to have cars, but they were allowed to drive their dates' cars because that was the gentlemanly thing to do. So on the weekends, the normal routine was to see a girl from Thornwood or East Rome or West Rome pull through the main gate, stop in front of Wilcox, slide over to the passenger seat, and let her date climb in behind the wheel and drive off into town. Boarding students were also allowed to drive day students' cars if they were double dating. With parental permission, students were allowed to smoke in those days. Day students had a so-called smoking lounge, which consisted of nothing more than the stairwell that sticks out from the growl towards the cove. Boarding students were allowed to smoke only in their dorm rooms. Can you imagine the insurance liability of that today? We had student proctors, very similar to prefects today, who were given special privileges such as driving school cars. We didn't have DAR buses or vans. We had six or seven school station wagons. Student proctors would be sent to run errands for the school or coaches, run into town to pick up the athletic supplies from Owens Hardware. A typical track meet at Baylor or Macaulay would involve six or seven school station wagons driven to Chattanooga by coaches, proctors, and student managers. Again, one can only imagine the insurance liability nightmare that would be today. The daily schedule was very different. Boarding students had a daily personal and room inspection at 7 a.m., showered, shaved, and headed for breakfast. That was followed by coach class for extra help and academic classes didn't begin until 8.40. Athletics, including varsity sports, took place between 3.30 and 5 o'clock, followed by a quiet hour from 5 until 5.40, followed by room inspection again, and then dinner at 6. Dinner dress for boarding students was coat and tie every evening except Saturday. Coaches were not allowed to keep teams on the field past five o'clock, as all boys had to be showered, dressed, and in the dining room in time for dinner when the president of the White Cabinet would ring the dinner bell promptly at six o'clock and say the blessing. One of the strange things, though, which I never really understood, was that we went to school Monday through Friday and had Saturday off during the first semester. And then we went to school from Tuesday through Saturday and had Monday off during the second semester. I'm sure there was a good reason, but I never figured out what it was. Go figure. There really were very few rules in those days, and the Tiger Handbook was extremely small. The dress code was simple. The handbook simply read, a boy will need essentially the same clothing as he would have at home, period. Belts and socks had to be worn and shirts tucked in. About the only things that were not permitted were tennis shoes and blue jeans. The honor code was emphasized much more regularly in those days, and we were all required to write out the honor pledge in full on every single assignment. On my honor as a Darlington gentleman, I pledge that I have neither given nor received aid on this assignment. Perhaps we might consider 
reinstating that practice. Then as now, the Honor Council was totally student-run, while the Discipline Committee consisted entirely of faculty members. The handbook read simply, quote, the following offenses are considered most serious. Possession or use of any alcoholic beverages, including beer or wine. I never understood that distinction. <laughs> Gambling for money. Possession of explosives, fireworks, or firearms. Hazing in any form. And absence from the campus after supper without permission. That was about it regarding rules. A simpler time, perhaps, although most of those rules are still in effect today. Now, the next part of what I have to tell you tonight is R-rated, so some of you may want to cover your ears. And after I finish regaling you with this little story from Darlington's past, I may be asked to retire even sooner than I had planned. <clears throat> Bert Hodnell and Jack Summerbell, two well-known teachers of that era, still to this day love to tell this story. Straight out of Darlington's history, and up until fairly recently, boarding students were required to attend church in town every Sunday. They were loaded into city buses, taken downtown, let off in front of what is now Jefferson's, and walked to their different churches of choice. At that location, there was also a newsstand called Liberty Hat Works. The boys were allowed to go in there and buy their cigarettes and often stopped to peruse the Playboy magazines before going on to church. <laughs> but teenage boys have always found amazing ways to get into all kinds of mischief especially when Darlington was an all-boys school. One year, a couple of the teachers noticed that several of the boys were missing from church, but they had been on the buses and had arrived downtown. Well, in those days, there was in Rome a very famous house of ill repute, a brothel called Peggy's. In fact, it was so well known that it was even advertised in the Georgia Tech yearbooks. Check me on that. Well, apparently it was discovered that these boys who were missing from church were hiding in the Liberty newsstand until the coast was clear and then taking taxi cabs to Peggy's. Jack and Bert still recall vividly that there was an emergency faculty meeting called to assign teachers to brothel duty. Some teachers were assigned to church duty, while others were assigned to sit in their cars in the parking lot at Peggy's to apprehend the miscreant boarding <laughs> students and take them back to church where they should have been all along. <clears throat> Peggy's was located across the street from the gates to the Coosa Valley Fair, and on that site now occupied in a touch of great irony by a church called the Rapture Preparation Center. There are those who say it always was a rapture preparation center of a different sort. Well, enough of what Darlington was like from my student days. What about Darlington today? When I returned here in 1982, it was a vastly different place. First of all, it was co-ed. There were girls. Secondly, it was full integrated. There were students of color. 
Third, it had international students. So it had become a much more interesting and diverse student body than any of us had experienced in our student days or even later in college in the 60s and much more reflective of our society and world at large. The school had also become much more informal in many ways. In my day, as a mark of respect, all students were required to stand when the faculty member entered the classroom. That was the Darlington tradition and one which disappeared sometime in the early 80s, as I recall. Today, boarding students may have cars, but they may not drive day students' cars or dates' cars. Smoking is not allowed. Uniforms are worn. Day students are welcomed into the dorms as members of the houses. But with all those changes, in some very significant ways, Darlington has remained remarkably the same. In my first couple of weeks as a Darlington student, the thing that struck me immediately was the care and concern of the faculty. I had wonderful young teachers like Alex Whitaker, who immediately took me under his wing and moved me from the regular English class to the honors section and later involved me in publications to the point that I finished up as the business manager of the Jabberwock and received the journalism trophy at honors day. Interestingly, as an example of the lasting impressions Darlington can make on you, Mr. Whitaker's son was just here last week as a member of our board of trustees and currently serves as president of King College in Tennessee. Another young teacher who was extraordinarily popular with my classmates and with whom I formed a lifelong friendship was Bert Hodnell, who had just graduated from Washington and Lee. We thought that he was a really cool guy and he served as a wonderful big brother to all of us. I still stay in touch with Bert and Martha Jane, his wife. I see them once or twice a year and they continue to come to my class's reunions. For over 50 years now, we have spoken on the phone every single Christmas Eve. That's the kind of lasting friendship that many of us from my generation developed with our teachers. I had wonderful, inspiring young teachers like Bert Hudnell and Alec Whitaker and Louis Crew. And you students today have a host of wonderful young teachers like Reed Owens, Lee Hathaway, Matt Enderley, Justin Bruce, Sam Clark, Jacqueline Haynes, Chandler Cryer, and so many more heads of house teachers and duty teachers. I was also fortunate enough to study under some of the great legendary figures of Darlington, experienced scholarly teachers like Doc Register, Worth Moser, and Robert Cobb. Today, you are all studying under wonderful, experienced senior teachers who will be legendary in your memories someday. John Cox, Kathy O'Mara, Al Shorey, Mike Hudson, Brian Inman, Brant Evans, Kay Lowe, Christy Atkins, Owen Kenny, Kim Tunnell, Barbara Kukoff, Shelley Daniel, and many, many others. We had a couple of wonderful administrators like Dr. E.L. Wright, who remained remarkably even-tempered, unflustered, never rattled, always calm. I had Dr. Wright 
And in a similar vein, you have Mr. Woods. We had fantastic coaches. I remember fondly Mr. McNall, our athletic director. Mr. Mack cared equally for all of his students, athletes and non-athletes alike, which is very much still the case today. Now, I was a reasonably talented student, but as an athlete, not so much. So instead of saying to me that I was a lousy athlete or, Moss, you suck athletically, Mr. Mr. Mack said, Mossy, I need your help. I need to train several really good student managers to work with all the varsity teams. Would you be willing to help me? So Mr. Mack trained a couple of us non-athletes and a couple of injured athletes, and we ended up managing all the varsity sports. I had Mr. Mack, and you have Mr. Guth and Mr. Atha. It would take me all evening to name all of the wonderful teachers, coaches, and staff members that you are lucky enough to study and grow under, just as I was in my student days here. In my view, nothing is more important than the relationships one has with one another in life. And Darlington has always been about relationships. Those relationships that I had with my teachers and those which you have with your teachers today are and will continue to be such an important part of your lives. That has been one of the great constants throughout Darlington's history. After all, Darlington was named for a teacher by his former students. What a great testimony that is to the relationship between students and teachers. So as I look back on my 40 years here, what have been some of the highlights for me? On Monday night, I had 13 international students over to my house for coffee and dessert. They were all students in special programs who were here only for the junior year. They were from Germany and Switzerland and Spain and Austria. And when I asked them what was the greatest difference between Darlington and their schools behind home, they all immediately said faculty members. The fact that they have relationships with their teachers here like they never had with their teachers back home in Europe. To me, that may be the most important aspect of Darlington that has always been true and which we should all treasure now and in the future. The presence of international students here has been another major highlight for me over the past 40 years. I have learned so much from them, and it has been my good fortune this year to have had an international student as our student body president for the first time, William Fing. That demonstrates to me that the relationships between our American students and our international students are so much a part of our lives today. The world would certainly be a better place if the people of all nations had the same kind of opportunity to get to know each other that we have here. Speaking of international students, a number of years ago, our commencement speaker was a well-known Japanese business leader named Mr. Kawamura, who gave us the Kawamura Science Building after his two sons graduated here. Mr. Kawamura had been a Fulbright scholar who was able to study in this country at NYU. And the message of his commencement address was his firm belief 
that one cannot fully understand one's own culture or country until one has lived abroad in another culture and country. He was not talking about just traveling abroad or taking vacations, but actually living abroad for months and even years. I was fortunate enough to have had that experience myself after graduating from Suwannee and being able to spend a term at Oxford University in England. It has remained one of the great events of my life. And I have never forgotten Mr. Kalmura's message, one of the very few commencement speeches I actually do remember. Another highlight for me during my time here has been the growth of technology. What an amazing change that has brought to our lives. When I returned to Darlington, there were only a few computers on campus. I think Mr. Bice had the only one. I got my first desktop here in about 1983, and it was huge. I used it very little. There was no internet, no email, no Google, no cell phones, no social media. As we became more accustomed to technology and became completely dependent on it, my biggest problem was that I did not type very well. In my student days, when we asked administrators if we could have a typing class like they had at Rome High School, we were told, quote, oh, you gentlemen don't need to know how to type. You will always have secretaries to do that sort of thing for you. Talk about 60 chauvinistic male sexist attitudes. <laughs> so here I found myself in the age of technology disadvantaged at being a two-finger typist. But because I can talk faster than I can type, I dictate everything. My advisees have often laughed at me because I dictate all my text on my phone, and I have voice recognition software on my laptop. I dictate everything, text, emails, letters, college recommendations. Sometimes, though, I forget to turn it off when someone comes into my office, and before I realize it, it's typed the entire conversation. <laughs> the biggest downside, however, is that voice recognition software doesn't always recognize what is intended. For example, Whenever I mention Ivy Brewer's name, it always comes out IV, like in your arm at a hospital. Once I was sending an email to all of the newly elected prefects, congratulating them on their new prefect positions. However, what my voice recognition software put into the email was that I was writing to congratulate them on their new free sex positions. <laughs> Had I not caught that, I would not be speaking to you tonight. <laughs> so, with that in mind, I would give you my one only sole piece of advice tonight. Always proofread, proofread, proofread very carefully. Your text, your emails, your letters, your social media, you never know when not proofreading carefully can get you in a whole lot of trouble. And even though I said that I wouldn't attempt to mention every one of you seniors by name in my remarks tonight, I can't let this evening pass without saying what a joy my advisees have been for me this year. Zoe, Sophie, Clara, Ian, Haley, Grace, Landon, Radia, Thomas, Maria, Merrimack, and Redding. 
The hours which I have spent with you each week have been one of the happiest of the year for me. Well, I hope I've given you some sense of how Darlington has changed since my student days and the fact that relationship still remains the greatest single characteristic of the school. Over the past few months, a group of my day and boarding classmates have been gathering around the dining room table at the Home on the Hill, working to plan our 60th reunion next year. In fact, we had so much fun back together at our 50th reunion that a group of my boarding friends from Atlanta decided that we didn't need to wait another five years to get together, especially since at our age, we might be pushing our luck a bit. So we've been regularly meeting for lunch two or three times a year ever since. And it is amazing how quickly and easily we have fallen back into those high school relationships and had a wonderful time being back together. So having given you one piece of advice tonight, I will end with one major hope for your future. It is my fondest wish that as you go through life, you seniors will remain as close to some of your teachers as I have, and that you will remain as close to some of your classmates as I have long after you have graduated. I hope that you will come back to campus for your fifth, your 10th, your 20th reunion, and you'll be amazed at how quickly you will fall back into those good relationships you have with each other today. I hope that 60 years from now, a group of you will be sitting around the table in the home on the hill planning your 60th reunion back on this campus. One of the things you will find when those days come is how much of your time you will spend talking about how Darlington has meant to you and how it has enriched your lives in immeasurable ways that you never would have imagined when you were students here. Tomorrow, in a very real sense, I will graduate with you. It has taken you two or four or 12 years to graduate. It has taken me 40. I will always feel especially close to this class of 2022. You are one of the kindest, most gentle, most thoughtful groups of students that I have ever worked with. And now in closing, let me simply wish for each of you all the greatest happiness, joy, and success in college next year and for the rest of your lives. Godspeed on your journey, and may God bless you all. Thank you. The Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia, is a collaboration between the Communication, Advancement, and IT teams, and the intro music is student-produced. See show notes and hear more episodes at www.darlingtonschool.org podcast.